Welcome in to the Maroon Mike podcast. I'm your co-host, Andrew Miller. I'm your other co-host, Daniel Faulkner. And, you know, I know it's a kind of a theme that we've, uh, it's been brought up on a few MSU podcasts about putting your body on the line to talk about MSU sports. Uh, I am doing it more than pretty much anyone else this week um, to just make myself sound more important than other people. Uh, I'm like going through some massive dental issues right now with a tooth that has given me problems since 2005 because of an incident that happened all the way back then. Um, so like I've got a portion of my mouth that's swollen up and a tooth that's killing me. I am netted up, but it's, you know, only doing so much. So I'm going to try to not talk as much in this show as I start rambling on right here at the beginning, uh, contradict myself. Uh, definitely feel that Daniel talk a little bit more in this one because um, we know this this is a pod that needs to be put out there because this is a massive game. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm here we go, body on the line to talk about MSU taking on the Arkansas Razorbacks. Yeah, with that, you losers get a listen. You get stuck with me, my voice more now. You know, you don't have to listen to Andrew's amazing, beautiful voice. You're stuck with my raspy, old, cranky voice. My, my voice is probably going to sound a little messed up during this. So uh, people will just have to suffer through this one. But look, big game on campus this week, and the Arkansas Razorbacks come to town. This is a game that has been circled since the preseason. Obviously, this is a matchup that, let's face it, it's big in every sport because of the way that their fan base likes to act about certain things. Um, obviously, we, there, no need to explain the hatred in baseball. It, it's a, it was an old rivalry in basketball that, Reggie Perry kind of rekindled because they are convinced that Ben Halland is the only reason paying that Reggie Perry is the only reason that he wasn't a Razorback, even though he's an MSU legacy player, they, they think we cheated and that's why he's here. So they, they hate us in basketball too. Um, also our new coach almost beat them in the tournament, which was really funny. Um, and now in football, this was a series that Arkansas long dominated and then MSU was really able to flip the switch. Uh, now Sam Pittman though is two and zero against the Bulldogs. 2-0 against Mike Leach. And this is a game that's obviously huge for MSU season. You get this in Starkville. It's a toss-up type game on the schedule. Arkansas may be reeling a bit. We're going to get into that because of some of the uh, potential injury issues they have. Um, but this is one of your state you really want to be able to get. Well, you know, it's just like you said. Uh, it's it's Time for Leach to show that that Arkansas is not his weakness. You know, there always was a team every school we went to that that he had a tough time beating. And so far, it looks like that might be Arkansas. You know, you would definitely hope it's not Ole Miss. But, um, you know, looking at it, uh, you go back two years ago and look at the game against Arkansas. They were on a very, very, very long SEC losing streak. And we were on a very big high after beating the reigning national champions, LSU, in their own house uh, to get upset by Arkansas. It was very disappointing, to say the least, uh, being in the stands of that game in a very small crowd, obviously because of the virus. And it was just sad. And then it was like, man, does the air raid not work? Well, then obviously it developed in last year. Arkansas fans will tell you that the rush three drop eight just absolutely dominated that game. No, no, it did not. A lot of just scrappy play on offense, first of all. It wasn't perfect. And then also a, uh, what was it, three missed field goals led to an Arkansas win. So, yeah. yeah, not the best performance for Mississippi State. Now you're in year three. And you've got the best Mississippi State team so far under Mike Leach. Without a doubt, the play is is clicking on all cylinders, it seems, on all three aspects in the field. I know uh, you and you and Lounge took care of talking about the A&M game uh, earlier in the week. I mean, you hit everything with it. Like, just everything is rolling right now. Everything. Now you hit Arkansas, who is on a two-game losing streak to Texas A&M and Alabama. That A&M game – uh, that game was crazy. And, you know, you're looking at it. Uh, A&M did not look like they were going to win that ball game. Uh, they looked like they were on their way to have a really, really bad start to the season. And that game really saved A&M season, but started to crumble Arkansas season, right? For both those teams, that was a crucial game that A&M was able to slip away with. A week ago, you go uh, at home against Alabama, you know, packed house, huge crowd. And you have that 
huge swing there in the second half where you you, you get a lot of points. Uh, I, I wasn't watching the game. I was at State's game, so I don't know exactly what happened. But you had a lot of you had a lot of points going your way, and it looked like you were within uh, three points of Alabama in the second half. Alabama comes in with their backup quarterback after Bryce Young's hurt, and what do you know? They have another stud quarterback because they just don't run out of those. And Alabama wins the game by 23. Now you're coming here as an underdog to Mississippi State. Three weeks ago, Mississippi State was not the underdog. They, they would not have been the underdog in this game. Arkansas was a top-10 team. Mississippi State was coming off, you know, lost to LSU. It looked like, okay, the Hogs are probably going to come in here and probably take care of business. Well, now – Oh, how the turntables, my friends. Uh, the dogs are favored. And when you look at their schedule, what they've played so far, this is the first true road game. They had three straight home games against Cincinnati, South Carolina, and Missouri State. By the way, that, that Missouri State game, they, they were kind of slacking all game. They were they in trouble. They were in trouble for a moment there. Yeah, it was not good. I thought, I thought Missouri State would find a way to win it. But what do you know? The Hogs came on top. Katrina. <laughs> oh good old Bobby but uh then you go at the neutral site for A&M then you go back home for Alabama so now this is away game number one Mississippi State's got a job here to pack Davis Wade Stadium and from what I know right now not all the tickets are sold um in the upper deck I uh, hope a lot of people are using uh, 11 a.m kickoff as an excuse I don't care what time the game is you know, someone's got to be that 11 a.m. kickoff. Wake up early. Cook some eggs, you know. Go to the gym before you go to the game. Like, you got plenty of time. Uh, as someone who, who wakes up on the regular at 5 o'clock every day, you know, this is 11, 11 a.m. is nothing. Now, I'm one to talk because that's what I do for work. Lounge would also say the same thing, just for the record, y'all. But no matter what time it is, uh, you got to get to that game. You got to get in the crowd. Uh, you know, 40,000 cowbells sounds significantly less loud than 60,000 cowbells. Um, there is a huge difference. If you don't know, think there's a difference, take a look at 2017 LSU and Alabama. Um, those games were, were louder than and, – and 2014 Auburn. Those three games were probably louder than any game anyone has ever heard in Davis-Wade Stadium. I can just about guarantee it. So, need a big crowd there. But people get to make their own choices. Uh, we'll do what we can, right, those of us who will be at the game. And hopefully it's a big maroon crowd. It's the true maroon game. Everyone's going to wear maroon, hopefully. Who knows? But you got a big opponent, right? Arkansas is, is – for a lot of guys in the locker room, they have a lot of motivation to go in and just win this daggum ball game. But with that being said now, let's go take a look at Arkansas, right? Uh, then the, I think the number one question we got to ask is quarterback KJ Jefferson. Is he going to play? Uh, you know, he, he had gotten hurt with, uh, uh, against Alabama with a head injury. And, you know, throughout the week, everyone's been monitoring the situation. Uh, I think, I believe today Pittman said Jefferson was at practice. I didn't know yeah. if he said if he played, he said he was at practice. We don't know what that means. It just means he was there, he was standing. Was he dressed? I don't know. Who knows? He's still going through that concussion protocol. And I'd like to believe that here in college, we have better uh, concussion protocol than the NFL does with all the uh, mess that is going on with that right now. I'm thinking about just what last week we recorded and then uh, we had Thursday night football and Tua, that, that happened, right? You'd hope that people are learning from it. And for KJ's sake, too, and, and this is what I'll say here, is beyond, you know, rivalry side, um, we do hope the best for KJ Jefferson. You know, whether or not he plays, I hope he plays because he's at 100% health. Um, you know, I don't say this because, like, oh, I want to beat them like that. No, like, I want the kid to be healthy, right? Don't want anyone to be hurt. Um, and we don't want to, like, mock anyone because of that injury like he is a stellar player phenomenal quarterback um and a really good kid but yeah like we don't know if we're going to see him on the field on saturday really maybe who knows 
Um, but he's definitely going to be on the sideline. Um, and that actually will be, I think that will be a difference. And Andrew, you could probably say something on this too. Uh, like he will, him being on the sideline is just going to be a difference maker for those players who are on the field, whether or not he's playing or not, right. They're going to play different because that's their quarterback number one out on the field. For sure. I mean, look, Mississippi kid, uh, I know it's been talked about a lot that if Dan Mullen was still in Starkville, there's no way that guy gets out of Mississippi. I mean, he, he would have fit perfectly within that system. So you hate it for him. Um, you know, Sam Pittman was talking about that he he's experienced quote unquote mild symptoms. Wouldn't come out and say he had a concussion, which I understand coaches are. I mean, we can't say anything about a coach not to be in straightforward considering Mike Leach will literally a guy who just had surgery. Oh, I think he's fine. And he's a, uh, he's, he's healthy as a horse, you know? So we look, we don't really know if we're going to see him for sure. Definitely him being on there on the sideline, but I mean, I, it's a leader for the team, if nothing else, and a guy for the back to be in the ear of those backup quarterbacks if they do play. Yeah, look, we're, we're saying this KJ might play. We, we don't know for sure yet. And I, I think a lot of this is, um, you know, Sam Pittman definitely is going to try to force MSU to have to prepare for everything possible. I don't blame him. I, I get it. Uh, you know, he did make the point that as a team, their procedure in the past has been if you don't practice on Wednesday, you don't play. Like, like you said, KJ was present at practice. What, what he did, we have no idea. Is that a situation where if you're at your starting quarterback, do you change protocol a little bit? And, and you know, it, if you find out Saturday morning that a doctor says, no, he no signs of anything, he's 100% healthy, do you let him out there? I wouldn't be shocked if they do. Um, but at the same time, you do have to be careful with a situation like this. So, you know, who's it going to be? Right now, it's two options. Cade Ford and Malik Hornsby. So Cade Ford is a walk-on transfer. Uh, previously, he started his career at North Carolina where he came in as a four-star. Nothing really worked out for him there. Goes on to South Florida. Still was really able to get nothing going. And I guess he kind of saw an opportunity. Look, I can go just be a part of an SEC team that had a good season a year ago, be a backup guy, and just kind of be in that, you know, be in that locker room, be a part of that team. And – Turns out he ended up becoming the backup quarterback. I think officially Hornby was number two on the depth chart, but last week when KJ went down, it was Ford who came in the game. Uh, he was 4 of 10 for 35 yards, did have one rush for nine uh, yards. More of a traditional drop-back guy. He was a pro-style quarterback coming out of high school. Um, but, look, he can scramble. Yeah, I think there was a game in North Carolina where he had, like, 14 carries for 76 yards back in, like, 2018, 2019. So it's not like he's a guy who's going to be, you know, just a, a statue who you expect to be able to take down, but he's not a guy that's going to scare you with his legs. On the other hand, you have Malik Hornsby, who is literally the polar opposite. He is a big-time athlete. In fact, he's probably one of the best athletes that Arkansas has on the team, which is why they have tried to get him involved over these past few seasons, despite him not being the guy at quarterback. Um, he was a four-star dual threat coming out of high school, one of their top signees from the 2020 class. They've got him involved as a Wildcat quarterback. They, this year they played him somewhat receiver. Didn't really work out. Sounds like he's going to be exclusively a quarterback going forward. There are some questions with him about, you know, his attitude towards the team. In the right before the season start, it sounded like he was about to transfer out. And apparently, you know, they were able to get him back on board to stick with the team. Clearly was not happy to see Forden be the guy last week. He saw that as his opportunity. And, then, you know, they turned to the, the new transfer. How does he feel towards the team? What's the whole situation there? We really don't know. Now, Sam Pittman did say both these guys will play. Um, but, again, I wonder how much of that is him just trying to say, MSU, you have to prepare for every quarterback I have on the roster. I will say, though, KJ's out. It makes sense to play both these guys because I know as a coach, you want to win every game you have an opportunity to. And this is a big game for MSU. They've lost, or sorry, for Arkansas. They've lost two straight. They have a road trip to BYU coming up that's not going to be easy. You know, you could be talking, you don't want to be talking about a situation where you're in danger of losing four games in a row. But at the same time, this is an opportunity. First, you know, SEC road game against a good defense. You got two backups. You want to see what they have. So I expect to see both of them. Uh, and, Again, like I said with Hornsby, speed is the, the thing with him. 6'2", 185, not a big guy, but he has killer speed. Now, he's not a great passer, which I think naturally that's why you saw K.J. was able to win the job over him going into last season. K.J. offers, uh, you know, he's not – look, K.J.'s never going to be a guy who can drop back and just kill you with his arm, but he does enough with that. And he obviously offers more of a power running ability rather than – and can, you know, sustain some hits a little bit more than a guy like Ford and probably – or sorry, Hornsby probably can it's very much up in the air who's going to be the guy. But I think regardless, the one thing we can say is uh, Arkansas is going to be able to run the football. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Whether it's quarterback or running back, they've got it. 
And, you know, they're, they're doing really good at running football this year, averaging 232 yards per game. Um, you know, great group of running backs in there, led by the SEC's leading rusher right now, Rocket Sanders. He has 609 yards and four touchdowns. Um, you know, the, that offense is going to run around him. And with the, a little bit of a shaky defensive line to start out this year for Mississippi State, uh, it'll be a big opportunity for, for Rocket to try and keep boosting his numbers the way he has been so far. Um, you know, he, he's going to have some success on that football field. You know, it, it can be a lot like uh, Devon A-Chain a week ago. Sometimes he just had his way out there. Same's going to be with Rocket Sanders. Um, now, meanwhile, look at the wide receiver group. It's uh, not like it was a year ago, right? Last year, you had Traylon Burks, uh, the phenomenal all-SEC receiver. Um, he's gone now. But you got multiple guys who are playing pretty decent. Uh, you got Matt Landers, uh, Jadon, Jaden uh, Hazelwood. I definitely botched that name. Uh, Tron Jackson and Trey Knox, who's a tight end. Uh, but there's no, like, one guy who's your go-to. Um, and whoever's that quarterback, you know, it isn't going to have just one guy he can always count on like like they did Traylon Burks a year ago. So, you know, it's not – it's not like looking like their passing offense is going to be anywhere near what, what Mississippi State is right now. They're going to rely heavily, really heavily on that running game. That's what's helped them out so far this year. Um, and if, if they're able to, to emerge with a lot of high-powered offense on the ground, it's going to be a lot of trouble for Mississippi State. Yeah, and look, they have some solid players at receiver. A lot of these guys have shown some flashes, um, but – there's no again. There's no one guy who's going to take over the game, and it's not a situation where like you know at MSU, there's no one clear number one receiver. There's not a guy that you would say he is the go-to. We have some guys who started to emerge, but it's kind of a you know a receiver by committee type situation. But the fact is, as we know, those are all really good players who complement each other and come together to form a great passing attack. Arkansas, you really don't have that, and you know not to knock any of those guys. I'm sure saying this, some one of them is going to go out and get six catches for 120 and a couple touchdowns and make us look stupid. But that's not been what they've shown to this point in the season. Um, and especially if you have KJ Jefferson out, that knocks that down a bit more. Looking at the Arkansas offensive line, this is a group that's gotten a ton of props going into this season. And look, they've played well, specifically in the run game. Um, they're really paving a way for a fantastic Arkansas rushing attack. they got some maulers up front. They are as good at pass blocking as maybe they get credit for, though. The overall numbers kind of look fine, but if you start digging into actual like sack rate and some of some of the more of the advanced numbers, they actually do like let pressure get on their quarterbacks. Um, and just to kind of give you context here, State has thrown the ball 108 more times this season than Arkansas has, and yet we've allowed the same number of sacks. And obviously, and it, keep in mind, Will Rogers is you know we talk about he doesn't he can't escape pressure. He's the guy back in the pocket. The guy outside, I mean, KJ Jefferson's the guy who can evade that pressure. So. They are giving up pressure and have not been great when, when uh, great with that when it comes to their offense. It, this really is a situation where if you can get Arkansas behind the chains and force them to have to drop back and throw, they become a lot more limited as a team. A um, few other numbers for them. They're 43% on third down, which is kind of middle of the pack, 49th in the country. They're only scoring on 78% of their red zone trips. That's 90th uh, with a touchdown rate of 61%, which is 77, 77th in the country. I mean – you feel like a team like Arkansas that's so built around the ground and pound, those are the type of teams you expect to thrive in the red zone. They haven't exactly done that this year. So I think for MSU's defense in this game, there's a few different ways you're going to have to play it, and we'll break that down when we get into our keys for the game, depending on who's in at quarterback. But I think more than anything, you kind of have to trust that your defense can hold up in the red zone. Like, I think you have to go in this game understanding they're going to be able to run the ball some. And I was very adamant going into the AM game that this talk of MSU front defense being a weakness that the AM guys were talking about is, you know, that's not really true. And I still think that's probably one of the better parts of MSU's defense. But look, Devin A. was able to have some success. And that was with State knowing that's their guy on offense. And Arkansas is a team that is much better built to run the football than AM is. Um, and look, there's an Arkansas team that last year, and I know they had a lot of the same pieces on offense. We have a lot of the same pieces on defense. They ran for over 200 against State. And really wasn't even K.J. Jefferson. It was their running backs were the guys who were really making State pay. So I think you have to, you know, go into this game understanding they're probably going to find ways to move it on the ground. Kendall Bryles, as a play caller, is going to find ways to make things happen. Um, 
you just have to be able to contain them and limit what they can do. And especially if you do get those backups in there, be able to take advantage. Sure. So, so to translate that message, if you're in the crowd or watch on TV, you're going to get frustrated a few times. So they're going to break for a few big runs. I More will be ready to do, yes. but even when it happens, I'm still going to be angry. Uh, but, you know, with that now, let's take a look at the defense because that's actually been a big story coming from a few weeks ago. Uh, people were talking about it and, and how Arkansas's defense has actually not been as good as it was advertised in the preseason. Um, for them, it's, it's been kind of rough. So far, uh, as a total, they're allowing 432 yards per game. That's 111th in college football. 6.43 yards per play, 122nd, 31 points per game, 100th in college football. Now, passing offense is, is even worse. Are you giving up 289 yards per game? That's 124th. 8.6 yards per attempt, 123rd. And the run defense isn't that great either. Uh, still giving up 143 yards a game there at 71st. And 4.25 yards per attempt, that's 85th. Um, in terms of just pure numbers, that is not good at all. Arkansas is letting people put a lot of yards on them. Now, now don't get me wrong, they are, have been hurt with a few injuries in their secondary that is that is absolutely brutalized that, that secondary. They are uh, without some of their top players. And that just is showing that the, the youthfulness of the backups is showing right now. They're not, they're not able to do as well. And then when you get into the uh, third down category, they're, uh, they're allowing 44% of third down uh, conversions. That's 108. 85% red zone scoring. That's 80th. And 60% red zone uh, touchdowns allowed. 63rd. So everything's in the, we're in the bottom half of percentages for Arkansas. And, a lot of high um, numbers. Not great. Yeah. <laughs> the, the category you want to be low is very high. Uh, and one, one last other stat is uh, 83rd in uh, – uh, defensive points per drive allowed at 2.51. Um, that's 83rd in the country. Mississippi State, on the other hand, is at 25th in that category with 1.67 points per drive allowed. There's not a whole lot going good in terms of pure yardage allowed. However, there is one area of their defense that they are pretty good at. And if you just look at a few uh, SEC leaders in this category, you'll see they're do doing really good. It's the pass rush. Uh, they're second in the nation with 21 sacks on the season. Uh, sack rates, you know, they definitely back those numbers up. They're always getting after the quarterback, and that disruption is, is really like helping with the low completion percentage for opposing quarterbacks. But they're not able to get their hands on the ball. Uh, they're able to get the sacks, but they're not able to – they're just forcing incompletions more than interceptions – just three of those interceptions and 15 pass breakups. Um, however, they have forced nine fumbles, but they've just recovered three of those. So, you know, you got yourself a little hyped up with the, the fumble number, and then you read just they've only recovered three of them, uh, really only forcing six turnovers on the year. Not so great for them so far, is it? Yeah, no, it's been a struggle. And I, I was curious about that because, like, you know, nine forced fumbles out – I think – I could be wrong here because I was not about to go through their entire play-by-play -play for the season. Um, I think college football stats, which is where – I mean, I put all these numbers together on here. and What, what I used for that, uh, they have, like, forced fumbles, but they also have, like, opponent fumbles. And I think opponent fumble numbers were up higher. So, I think what that is saying is, like, these are actual fumbles forced by the Arkansas defense. They haven't been able to recover. Now, some of that is luck. If you're forcing fumbles, that's being good and disruptive on defense, which in state is out of trouble fumbling the ball this year. Uh, we saw it last week with Caleb Ducking having a fumble that could have been really big in that game. State's going to have to protect the football for sure, but this is not an Arkansas defense that has had many opportunities. Um, you talked about the pass rush. The star of this defense, transfer linebacker Drew Sanders, came over from Alabama. That's a guy that when he came in, everybody was like, yeah, he is going to be a stud, and he is showing it. He is, leads the country. Six and a half sacks on the season. He also has 43 tackles, seven and a half tackle for loss. Um, and that's a great linebacker duo along with a guy that if you're a state fan, we, we know him. If you're an SEC fan, you know him because he's been around for the past 32 years. Bumper pool, uh, he's leading that team with 46 tackles. They got a, a good group there at, at linebacker. They can get pressure on quarterbacks. They're going to wrap up and make tackles. The problem is just the rest of the defense has been a massive problem for them. Um, 
you mentioned it earlier. They've been plagued with some injuries, especially in the secondary. Uh, star safety Jalen Catalan, who I believe missed most of last season, he was out again after like one week. Uh, cornerback Ladarius Bishop, who's expected to be one of their starters, he's out for the year. Um, their nickelback Miles Slusher, he's missed some time this year, and it sounded like he's going to be out again this week. That's not official, but it doesn't seem like he's going to be playing. Um, they do have a good player in Dwight McGlothern, who was a transfer out of LSU. All three of Arkansas's interceptions come from him, and according to Pro Football Focus, he's allowed just five catches all season with a 0.0 passer rating. So they have one dude in the secondary who has been a really good player for them. It's just everywhere else is the problem. So if you're state, obviously, I mean, you're going to throw away from him, but you got to feel like you have opportunities elsewhere. This game's going to come down to how state can handle the pass rush, which it's interesting to see how Barry Odom is going to play in this game. Um, he is kind of that poster child for playing rush three drop eight against Mike Leach. Um, obviously, some of that's because that's what his defenses tend to play in general. They play it against most teams they go up against. But every, we all remember, I mean, well, every Arkansas fan and their mother thinks that they invented rush three drop eight because of what happened after 2020 or happened in the 2020 game. And they still think that's how you stop the air raid. And look, even though we've talked about it many times in the show, that is not some secret formula. It's not as simple as that and State has proven that's to be the case, Arkansas traditionally has been a team that plays that coverage better because they are better at coming up and making tackles. Their guys are better at passing off coverages and passing off receivers because they're so used to playing it, which is why they were able to shut down State in 2020. And then last year, look, State put up big numbers when it was all said and done, and you lost because of special teams. But also, State was struggling for the first like quarter and a half in that game. They were able to slow down State enough uh, to ultimately be able to pull out the win. You would think he's going to play that same defense in this game. That'll be the game plan. But that said, his team hasn't done as much of it this year. And given their struggles in the secondary, combined with the fact that their pass rush is really good, and State has shown, you look at that LSU game, that if you get pressure on Rodgers that they can be in trouble, do you think he's going to crank this up Saturday? Do you think he's going to send a lot more pressure? It's a huge question. And, you know, just like you said, uh, with that rush three drop eight, yeah, like you said, every Arkansas fan talks about it. It only works if you're able to get to the quarterback. And all you have to do is look through Texas A&M's uh, Twitter re replies to all their, uh, their stuff from a week ago. And all the replies were, why did we only put rush three guys all game? Whereas, you know, probably a week ago they were saying, oh, we got to beat them by doing rush three drop eight. Or maybe Arkansas told them that. I don't know. But – all their fans are saying, why are we only rushing three? Why are we doing it? It only worked two years ago because they were able to get pressure on the quarterback. If, if Odom goes out there right away and says, we're going to do the rush three drop eight, we're going to try it, and he can't get pressure on, on Will Rogers, it's not going to work. And then it's going to fail and crumble entirely. That only relies on getting pressure on the quarterback. And the way I see it with this, I think he is going to try to bring more pressure. Um, you know, try to get Will Rogers to make a bad throw, try to get past uh, the tackles on the outside because that's how that LSU kind of showed that that's now the weakness in the air raid. It's no longer uh, just having a lot of guys in coverage. A good quarterback in the air raid is able to pick apart uh, a coverage defense. He's able to, to spot the weaknesses in the defense. Now, if you, you know, just come at and attack the quarterback, you don't have time to think about uh, think about his progressions to go through everything, which he's very good at making his progressions now. I've seen it in person and on TV now. He's very good, takes his time, makes sure he knows he's throwing to, and he's very accurate with it now, way more than he was two years ago. It's very, it's very good to see, I think, as, as a fan, just to see how much that kid has grown as a, as a passer, but also as a leader on the field with that in that aspect. And now Arkansas needs to realize that you can't just drop eight. I think if, if Barry Odom is smart with it, uh, he probably will try to bring more pressure. Now, don't tell him I said this because, you know, tell him I said, yeah, just do the rush three drop eight. You know, it'll work this year. Sure. Uh, well, I, I will say, like, I don't think you – I think I don't think you necessarily meant it this way. Like you said, you know, it's a, the weakness for the air raid is, you know, the blitz. I think it's the weakness for this team just because we know the issues with some of the offensive linemen. Now, look. They played well last week, but also A&M didn't send a lot of pressure. And I don't remember for sure because I don't remember play-by-play. Play. I remember one of – I think it was like a former A&M quarterback, like Jake Hubenek or whatever, was on Twitter talking about like 
why were we not blitzing more? The few times we blitzed, we gave Rogers problems. I think they did. I don't remember for sure. Um, that obviously that's that's a big thing. This, this team with a reshuffled offensive line, they have to be able to hold up when they get uh, you know when the pass rush comes. And I do think you will see more of it, especially with you know your best pass rusher is a linebacker. Um, you kind of have to blitz that guy unless and you're not only going to rush three with you're sending a linebacker unless you're trusting to drop one of your defensive linemen into coverage, which I don't think Arkansas will do. Um, so I definitely think you're going to see them crank up the pressure some and try to get after state. And that's where you have to trust that your guys are going to be able to win their battles on the outside. You have to trust that their secondary is in a weak enough spot that you're going to be able to hit those plays against them. And look, maybe you get them off balance. Somebody running the ball a little bit more here. I am talking about running the ball more because it was working for state last week. And I think state went into that game against A&M kind of knowing, okay, this is a team that has struggled to stop the run and they're going to almost exclusively drop back into coverage. We will hand it off against them. And State made some adjustments with what they did schematically that helped the run game be more effective. I feel like you got to do the same. Arkansas's run defense isn't as bad as A&M's, but frankly, some of that is because teams have been able to throw all over Arkansas, so they're not running it as much. Because um, their run defense certainly isn't good like you laid out in the numbers. I think you can have some success. They're probably going to drop back into coverage a good bit and only show a three-man front. Hand it off some more. If it continues to work, then by all means, because then you can get those opportunities set up one-on-one on the outside um, where they're not going to be able to drop back into coverage and you trust your receivers to win, even if they bring more pressure. So that's going to be a big thing for this game. Um, it, it's certainly an interesting matchup. I think State's going to be able to have their way in a lot of the situations, though. Now it's time for our keys to the game. So, Daniel, I'll let you start us off with what do you see as the first big thing in this matchup? The first thing, first and foremost, uh, no matter who's at quarterback, you have to contain the ground game. Uh, they're going to have some success with it no matter what. That's what their offense is built to do. If you somehow find a way to stop the run entirely for Arkansas, Mississippi State isn't just winning this ball game. They're they're winning by a lot more than they did against Texas A&M. However, they are going to have some success with it. That's just what they do. Um, and Mississippi State is, is showing a little bit of vulnerability uh, in the run game than we thought, you know, the preseason. But you just can't let yourself get gashed. I mean, trust your defensive backs to handle business on the outside. Uh, commit people to the run more and, and make your tackles. I mean, come on. Do not let them just get a lot of broken tackles. Get them down. If you get them in the backfield, they better be going down behind the line of scrimmage. Um, and if you can at all, Get them in a third, third and long. That's where they've struggled a lot. Put them in a, in a long third down situation. They'll, they will have to throw the ball or they'll just go with the draw play that'll get five yards and they got to punt it. Yeah, no. It, you, obviously, I mean, look, it's easier said than done. That's what Arkansas, again, like you said, they're built to do it. But this is a team that is going to try to commit to running the football. They, they have to. Regardless of who they have at quarterback, they're going to do it even if KJ is healthy. Um, you just got, you, you can't let them just be able to run at will. Speaking of quarterbacks, um, I think you got a little bit of a different game plan depending on who each of the guys are. So, look, if it's KJ Jefferson, I think you just have to understand look, their Arkansas, their, their offense is going to have some success. And you really just have to try to contain them and make some uh, stops in the red zone. They haven't been great at converting when they get down in red zone opportunities. Um, it's the same idea of, look, if you get him behind the chains in the third and long and try to force him to be a drop back passer, he's not as good at it especially when he doesn't have a Traylon Burks and he's able to just throw the football up to. That right there is one of the biggest reasons I wasn't as high in Arkansas as a lot of people is I like K.J. Jefferson. I think he's a solid passer, but when he doesn't have a guy like Burks to just be wide open and bail him out, if you get them in situations where they can't run it, they're going to struggle as an offense. So just, you know, again, make the stops in the red zone, try to get them some third and longs, and get him to the ground. You were just talking about with, you know, the running backs and making tackles. Um, if you get a chance to sack KJ Jefferson, don't miss. Get him down. Uh, if it's going to be Cade Ford, I think on like I know I said he can run around some, but I think you, when they run the ball, you just have to key in on the running back every single play. Just to, like if you're going to say that he ends of the day getting 50 rush yards because he was pulling it on read option, well, so be it. At least he's not a threat like some of the other guys are going to be to go for 150 on the ground. Key in on whoever the ends at running back. And in those passing situations, I'm dialing up pressure. Their offensive line hasn't been great. And you saw what we did to Max Johnson last week, really saying we're going to send this A-gap blitz over and over and over because we know their line can't stop it. Arkansas's line has been susceptible to pass rush when teams actually try to go to that against them. And I think you can make them crumble in a road environment. 
And then last, if it's Malik Hornsby, you just really have to go all in on the ground game. I, I'm saying it's triple option rules. You got one guy who's on the dive back, one guy on the quarterback, and then somebody who's committed to whoever I guess you would consider the pitch man, whether if, if they go two back, it's that guy. If it's a receiver who they could throw it out to on an RPO, it's that guy. You are going all in on saying we do not believe you have any chance to be able to beat you with our, your arm. We are going to put eight men in the box, force you to run against it, and then trust that Emmanuel Forbes and DCAM are going to have it locked down on the outside. So I feel like, you know, whoever the quarterback is, is a little bit of a different, uh, you know, change. But I mean, regardless, the key there, and it goes back to the first point is stopping the ground game. For sure. Uh, and here's one that, that's a recurring theme that we've had this year. Offensive line has to protect Will Rogers. Um, this is one of those games. This is very concerning. If Arkansas is able to get a lot of sacks, they're, they're going to be able to, to change the direction of this game. If you can avoid them, you know, they, they really don't have a shot at stopping the offense. Um, there will be opportunities to go downfield. We may need to hit them with a few screens, uh, quick game early, get it rolling, get it started, even use the run game just to keep them off, keep their hands off a of will early, right? And show to them that that you're not going to be able to touch this guy who's throwing the ball and and we're going to prove it to you. We're going to move the ball downfield. We're going to run it. We're going to throw it, you know, these quick screens. And then after a while, we're going to throw it over the top. For sure. You don't want them in a situation where they feel they can just pin their ears back and they know that they're going to be successful. That's what LSU was able to do. Um, they've got a player in Sanders who can make you pay if you let them do that. So certainly going to have to, you know, do some stuff early on in that game to you know not let them just commit to that. And another thing that's definitely been a recurring theme, I, I don't make the dumb mistake. I say it every single week, but State has gotten away with it in three games this season. You, were, you had some sloppiness against Memphis, and I know a lot of that was the kickoff, like the delay and all that stuff, but you got away with it. You had a lot of sloppiness against Arizona, but it didn't matter because Arizona was even more sloppy. Against Texas A&M, you had a good bit of sloppiness in that game. It was a slow start. You had some turnovers, but it really didn't matter because A&M made more mistakes than you did. LSU, LSU made some mistakes, but you made some crucial ones, and it cost you the game. Um, it came back to bite you. This is an Arkansas team that is real. They are coming off two straight emotionally draining losses, both in terms of the heartbreak of what happened against AM when they should have won and an Alabama game where they felt like they had a chance before Bama just ripped their hearts out there in the fourth quarter, and they lost their quarterback. They've been battered. They have uh, multiple players in the secondary who are out. They are dealing with injuries all over the field. This is the type of team that you have an opportunity to really put away early in this game, kind of like you did against AM where you just assert your dominance and say, no, we're better than you. We we smell blood in the water, and we are going to take advantage of it. This is their first true road game. They haven't been in a tough environment, and we talked about it at the beginning of the show that hopefully we can get a big crowd where people are making it hell for these, you know, Arkansas players to, to deal – excuse me, to deal with. You had a chance to put it on them, and if you make mistakes, that's exactly how you fail to do that because those are the type of mistakes that can let them get back right back into the game. Absolutely. The crowd the crowd's going to be important. And, and our uh, friend of the program, Stefan uh, Krasnack from the Clarion Ledger, he made a good point. In the NFL, most of your games are starting at noon. Look, early kickoff, doesn't matter. NFL fans deal with it all the time. They get huge crowds there. Let's do it here. You know, like, come on. We got, we got a huge opportunity. Let's win this. Let's help this team win this game. I mean, you saw what the crowd's capable of. Uh, right before the block field goal, and that was with only what fifty thousand people. Let's get sixty in there. Let's do it for sure. All right, so those were our keys to the game, and now we're going to bring back a segment that we started against A and M. Uh, obviously, we did it because this is Colton's game, and he was on the show. But we'll keep it going because it is a nice little thing to talk about and a way to break down the game a little bit more. Just two this week. This is Colton's pick a number game. First off, how many sacks can State allow, and they still win this football game? Oh, you know, I've been thinking, I'm still thinking about this one. And I don't know if this number is going to be too high or too low, but I'm going to say I think they might be able to win if they, even if they give up five sacks. Might. Wow. I'm bold. I know. I trust us. I trust our defense, really. But 
clearly, I think if you're saying five sacks because of how much that can put State behind the chains, I mean, look, State's defense has a big opportunity here. That That's tough. I, I'm going to go a little bit more conservative. Um, I will – I there's one where I'm confident, and then there's one where it's kind of borderline. I will say three. I two If it's two or less, I feel State won the game and won easily. At three, it becomes a little bit more borderline, but I still think you can get away with it. It obviously it can't be the play where it's like a big sack fumble and then it's a 12 yard or a 12 yard loss or something like that. Like, but if it's just they, they get Rogers to the ground three times, but other than that, state's able to have success elsewhere. I think you're okay. I initially was going to talk about how many rushing yards can state allow and still win, but I also kind of feel like that's just going to be Arkansas's probably their entire offense in this game. So we'll flip it the other direction. How many passing yards can state allow and still win this game? Because I feel like if Arkansas gets a passing game going, that becomes a bit more of a concern. Well, you know, it, yeah, the, the variables in this are very interesting, right? Because when I think, oh, we can give up this many passing yards, but also how many rushing yards do we give up? You know, I'm going to hover right around that, that 200 to 230. I know I'm not giving an exact number, but, but passing yards, I mean, they're just there's so many throughout the game. You know, maybe I, I think I should go higher, but I don't know. I just think the run game is going to be pretty decent. That 200, 230, if you give up that many, you still might be able to find a way to win the ball game. I think I'm in a similar ballpark. I, the only place where this changes a little bit is, you know, kind of like A&M ended up last year, like, like last week, had like one of their best passing days of the season. But that was because of garbage time. And they were just throwing the ball because they were behind, which Arkansas may do some in this game. Um, if State's able to get up to a lead early, but also State, you know, defensively was kind of either just playing back and just, you know, we'll, we'll burn clock. Um, there was a joke on Twitter being made. Uh, Spencer Hall made the point that, like, uh, you know, State's way of killing clock in this game was actually giving the ball back to Texas A&M because we knew A&M couldn't score fast. So rather than our offense being on the field, we're just going to give it to Texas A&M because we, we know it's going to take them forever, and that's actually how the game played out. Uh, I think I'm in a similar place, though. If Arkansas is around 220-ish passing yards, I don't feel like that means that they got too much going. Um, but at the same time, if you get north of that, then you start talking about they probably were competent enough offensively that, I mean, I feel like I will not be shocked if Arkansas rushes for around 200 yards in this game. I, I won't. I feel like they're just going to be able to kind of get theirs on the ground. And if it's 200 rush yards, but that's all they have going offensively, I'm not concerned at all. If you add in, you know, another 250 passing, that becomes a bigger concern. So I think I'm in a similar place as you. Now it's time for our pick em. And as we take a look back on last week, uh, you and I both did pretty well, five and two for us. Uh, Colton was four and three. Uh, his losses, he, he picked Kentucky. Uh, he was wrong against Baylor. And then we were all wrong against Florida State. I, would, I took the limb, went out on Auburn, and – 17 nothing. They were up 17 nothing in the game. And then Brian Harson did what did what he does to every power five team in the second half and just collapses. Um, they lose that game. So I was wrong there. Uh, and then Daniel, your one loss. You went with the Wolfpack. Uh, they were competitive. You know, it's it a tight enough game, but Clemson is ultimately able to get it done. So five and two weeks for me and Daniel. Colton, it is, uh, I won't say one appearance because he may come back later on, but he, he goes four and three. So that's funny that, you know, he, he hops on and we both beat him. Uh, we were all way off on the score predictions. I technically was closest because I had the highest score for A&M and was only one less for upstate than Daniel was. But I said 23-16. Daniel said 24-13. Colton 23-14. Nope, 42-24. Um, State put a lot more points on the board than we were anticipating. But uh, so that means pick them on the season. I am now – 32 and 11 overall, four and one straight up head to head. Daniel was 25 and 18, one and four. Uh, so Daniel's got some ground to make up in the the win loss record, but uh, obviously a lot of football left to go. So let's make our picks for the week. Starting off, 11 a.m. kickoff, same time. Kind of sucks we can't watch this game. Number eight Tennessee travels down to the Bayou to take on the number 25 ranked LSU Tigers. Um, Tennessee coming off a bye after getting that big win over Florida. LSU obviously did not look great, but found a way to win the game against Arkansas. Uh, sorry, Auburn. Some questions about whether or not Jaden Daniels will be healthy. He left that uh, game against Auburn there late. Which way are you leaning here? Give me the Vols. Uh, Hunton Hooker is a very 
very, very good quarterback. Uh, Tennessee's got a fantastic passing offense. And assuming they're able to protect him, which I think they are, uh, it's not at night for LSU. They don't, get that, they don't get that advantage. They don't. So they get to get drunk at 9 a.m. Well, they probably already would, but I don't know. Who am I to judge? Uh, and, and they get to watch their teams start at 11 o'clock in the morning. We'll see. But I, I think Tennessee gets this win. You know, you said keep uh, Hendon Hooker upright there if they can protect him. That has been a concern for Tennessee. Their offensive line hasn't been great, and we saw firsthand LSU's pass rush is good. I think LSU can have some success. I also don't trust Tennessee's defense. It's been a weak point. But that said, Hendon Hooker, the weapons they have on that offense, I just think it's going to be too much for LSU. I will also take Tennessee to get the win, but I think it'll be close. Missouri at Florida. Uh, Mizzou has had back-to-back weeks, just demoralizing losses. They absolutely should have beaten Auburn. They had a lead at home against Georgia uh, and just come up short in both those games. Florida, they uh, last week, they had their game played on Sunday because of you know postponing with the hurricane. They blew out Eastern Washington. Um, getting this game at home, this has been a kind of a weird series. Missouri got the win last year, but that was a Florida team that quit. Um, Mizzou has shown the ability to run the ball some, and Florida's run defense is not good. But uh, which way are you leaning here? Uh, give me Florida. I mean, Missouri's just not on their same level, and maybe they find a way to win it, and I'd look stupid. But, uh, no, I just – especially after the way last week's game ended for Missouri. I mean, they're – you know, you want them to hold their heads up high. Like, man, we, we held Georgia – you know, we held Georgia pretty close all game. But, I don't know, I just don't think that's the way they're going to take it. Give me the Gators. Yeah, I got to agree with you. I And that's kind of my line of reasoning as well. I think at this point, Missouri has just kind of got to be dead because they're like, man, we we were so close in these two games and it just didn't work out for them. I, I don't love Florida with what they can do offensively and also don't love their defense either, but they are at home. And I think they're just ultimately can out talent Missouri here. We're going to pick a few games that we all know which way we're going to lean on them, but it's, it's, it's matchups that normally would be worth talking about. You mentioned the Georgia Bulldogs. Number Auburn goes on the road to number two, Georgia. Uh, let's make it simple. Is this the game where Brian Harson officially gets himself fired? I don't know. Maybe the boosters will say, oh, it's Georgia. You know, we'll fire him after another close loss. They should have fired him last week, but, hey, uh, no, nah, I think they'll wait till another week. Yeah, we're both rolling with the, uh, the red and black Bulldogs. Number nine, Ole Miss. Rebels move into the top 10 after the winning against Kentucky. They're going on the road up to Nashville. Vanderbilt's an improved team this year. Um, Ole Miss, good on defense. Offense has kind of been iffy, but they can run the ball. Uh, which way are you leaning here? Well, the one stat that normally decides who wins the game is who puts up more points. And I think Ole Miss puts up a lot more points than Vanderbilt. I think they also have a pretty big crowd there, too. Just like State did a year ago, uh, I think Ole Miss is going to have a pretty big crowd in Nashville. Yeah, I, I've definitely picked the Rebels here. I, look, Vanderbilt, good for them that they're improving. They're still a couple years away. Um, South Carolina at number 13, Kentucky. This is interesting because this is a series that has been competitive over the years. I remember back when under Spurrier, even when South Carolina was good, they like lost to Kentucky like four out of five years or something there while Kentucky was bad. Now Carolina's been bad and Kentucky's been better, but now Carolina has found a way to win some of the games and it's been competitive. I I will not be shocked if South Carolina can find a win here. Which way are you leading? I'm still going to roll with Kentucky. Even uh, even though I'm not a Will Levis fan, uh, I do think Kentucky is a pretty decent team. Give me the Wildcats. It's basketball season right around the corner. Yep, it is. Uh, I saw John Calipari put out that they're going to – they're playing like six straight years against Gonzaga, and they finally threw in some home-and-homes because there was, a, there was a whole big thing about they're scared to play at the Kennel Club up in uh, Spokane. They were playing neutral sites, so they got that sorted out. So they're definitely turning their attention to the sport they actually care about. But I will also take K- Kentucky here. I don't like their offense at all, but I also don't think South Carolina defensively is that scary. And Spencer Rattler – I just don't buy in, so give me the cats. This game, there was so much hype in the preseason, and we all knew what was actually going to happen. There was so much hype to the point that this got picked to be the one night game for CBS, and yet I think we all knew immediately after what was going to happen, 
And now it's even more amplified because AM looks like garbage. Texas AM goes on the road to Tuscaloosa to take on the number one Alabama Crimson Tide. I I mean, yeah, I'm picking Alabama. I mean, <laughs> you gonna look, differ? All right, Andrew, Andrew. So so look, a year ago, you remember I know Texas AM went into this game three and two against and they just came off a loss against Mississippi State. Now, that was a that was a different AM team, mind you. Uh, I think the same team is not as good. And you're playing at Alabama and Nick Saban is fired up. Uh, I, I don't care who Alabama's – I mean, well, they are playing A&M. Uh, I don't care if, if A&M fields an NFL team or a field of NFL rookies, not an NFL team, of, of like young NFL talent. Alabama's still winning this game. They got the home field advantage. And just the fact that Saban's fired up as he is about it uh, because of all the beef that went on. Yeah, Alabama's won in this game, and and it, it sucks that it it's used to waste our uh, our our night game for CBS when we could have had it next week with uh, Alabama and Tennessee. Yeah, that that actually would have been really cool. Um, At Tennessee, like I'm actually excited about that game. Like I am pretty excited about it, and I know Alabama's going to win, but I think it's going to be close. That game's going to be that, interesting. That, that, that game. This one, Alabama blows out AM. Yeah. You talked about this game last year. And look, obviously, AM made their offense work. So, I mean, shout out to them. The other thing, though, that I think is different, AM had a pass rush last year and they were able to give a lot of pressure to Bryce Young. I don't think they can do that this year. So, yeah, a- Alabama. Now, a few games around the country. The top 25 matchup of the century, college game day, goes to Lawrence, Kansas. Number 17 TCU at number 19 KU. I guarantee you nobody thought this would be the top 25 matchup in the Big 12 that mattered for this week. We're going to talk about the one that doesn't matter after this. Um, the Jayhawks are 5-0. and TCU is undefeated as well. Sonny Dykes, Mike Leach, disciple, uh, doing a great things with the Horned Frogs. But Lance Leipold, of course, is the story with what he's been able to do with KU. Third straight sellout at home, and they get college game day. Which way are you leaning? I am a man of the people. I love the people. And and people are amazing. Let me just say that Kansas is amazing. They have done so much well. They deserve all the love that they have. And they are going to defeat the Texas Christian University Horn Frogs and their stupid little hype video that they had a few weeks ago. Give me the Jayhawks. Rock, chalk, Jayhawk. Consider me a Kansas fan. I hate that I can't watch it. <sighs> Maybe I'll I know. skip the state. It's no, so annoying. This should have been a night game. I'm going to be the one who's kind of the Debbie Downer. I'm taking TCU. I love Kansas. I want Kansas to win. I want Kansas to win this game. I am pulling for the Jayhawks. But TCU's offense can put up points, uh, a lot of points. And Kansas defensively has issues. Um, now, Kansas' offense fantastic. Jalen Daniels has been remarkable for them at quarterback. But TCU's defense has actually looked okay to this point. What they did to the Oklahoma offense last week, I know Dylan Gabriel got hurt, but they were shutting down that offense before Gabriel went down. Um, I think TCU is a slightly better team. I think they'll be competitive. I think it's going to be high scoring and a lot of fun to watch. But I'm taking the Horned Frogs. Now the game that absolutely nobody cares about, two completely irrelevant programs in the Big 12. They've been bottom feeders for years. Uh, for some reason, they think this is worthy of a neutral site game. Uh, some school called Texas taking on, I think they're called Oklahoma. They're playing in Dallas at the Cotton Bowl. Quinn Ewers is back for Texas. That was officially announced. I don't believe I've heard whether or not Dylan Gabriel is back um, after his injury against TCU. I got the long horns of this one. Yeah, oh, how the mighty have fallen for Oklahoma. Like, man, I I thought they'd be pretty good. I really did. I thought they are going to have a good season. But year one under Venables, just not looking good. Horn, yeah, the Longhorns are going to win this game. I mean, yeah, that's all I can say. Yeah, the way TCU lit up that defense last week and knowing that – look, I – Sarkeesian takes a lot of flack, but the guy is a good offensive mind. And Quinn Ewers 
we saw flashes against Alabama. Um, I think they're going to be able to hit a lot of explosive big plays in this game. I think I saw this the first time since like 98, 99 or whatever, that neither of these teams are ranked going into this game. It uh, is. Yeah. And <laughs> that, it's pretty remarkable. This is a really good game. If you watch the entire nation and you don't roll your eyes at Pac-12 football, number 11 Utah going on the road to number 18 UCLA. Utah people have kind of written them off after that loss to Florida, and they did lose one of their best weapons on offense, uh, Brent Keithy, who's what tied in, who's a really good pass catcher. He's out for the year. Um, but the Utes have quietly won every game since that loss to Florida. They dominated against Oregon State, who's been a pretty good team this year, this past week. Going down to the Rose Bowl, UCLA had been a team that that was a team that you know was straight scaping by. They they had to they barely beat uh, South Alabama. And Washington came in undefeated on Friday, last Friday. Everybody was on the Huskies. And UCLA kind of took it to them and kind of showed that, hey, Dorian Thompson Robinson, we got something. I, I am watching this game. This is going to be 2.30 uh, Central Time. I, this will be what my TV is on. I'm really excited for this. Which way are you leaning? You know, yeah, I'm going to go with Utah in this one. Um, I, I still – preseason I said they were my pick to win the Pac-12 and I don't know I still might stand by that but I'm picking them to win this game right here I think uh you know this is the first uh Los Angeles team they're going to beat I think they might be able to beat both of them though you mentioned that matchup that's next week so hopefully they're not overlooking this before they welcome USC next week yes USC goes to Salt Lake USC goes to Salt Lake City next week um that's obviously going to be a game you can't be overlooking UCLA for this one if they want to keep those championship aspirations alive. But I'm going to roll with the Utes. I love the physical nature of that program. Um, I, I think people wrote them off a little too quickly with the way things happen against Florida. Last game we're going to talk about, Florida State goes on the road to number 14, NC State. Wolfpack, we're competitive with Clemson, but Clemson kind of showed that they're you know better team. DJ Uyunglele is getting things figured out. NC State gets the loss uh, on the road last week. Florida State. Really injury-deprived against Wake Forest, and Wake Forest just gave them a lot of problems, uh, was able to put up big numbers in that game and really get after Florida State's uh, quarterbacks. Um, this is a big game, huge for this division in the ACC. Uh, if either of these teams still have think they have any chance of being able to win, and I know NC State's now behind the eight ball by losing to Clemson, which way are you leaning? Yeah, this one was a tough decision, but I am going to ride with the Seminoles in this one. I think they have a big bounce-back game. Uh, they didn't look their best at all against Wake Forest, and I think they find a way to bounce back in there. NC State, I mean, I don't know. Like, I know they 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 held their ground at Clemson, which was very impressive, but I got them losing two in a row. So, I just – I'm taking NC State. I don't trust Florida State because of some of the injuries that they've sustained, and I think NC State, with what they can do up front, can they can really put pressure – on Jordan Travis and give Florida State problems. Also, I was listening to a podcast today. Apparently, NC State, over the past, like, after uh, recent history, coming off a loss, uh, typical situations where you think there'd be a letdown, like, oh, you know, they'd be disheartened. They've actually been really good in those games. And are like, they're like 5-0 and straight up, 4-1 and against the spread. Um, yeah, I'll take the Wolf back. So those are our picks for the week. Got a couple places that we deferred or, yeah, I think two different two differences between us. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out and if Daniel's able to make up ground in the standings. Now it's time to preview, or I guess predict, uh, Mississippi State taking on the Arkansas Razorbacks. Huge game in Starkville. If you can get there, you need to. We need a big crowd for this one. I feel bad talking about it because I, I'm not coming, but I live four hours away. I'm going to put that caveat out there. Um, look. Massive game for the season, and if State really wants to achieve what they want to this year, this feels like one they got to be able to get. This is an Arkansas team that's reeling. Um, so I'll turn it over to you first. How are you leaning? You know, I do. I do wish it would be a blowout win for Mississippi State. I mean, you're nine nine and a half point favorite. You're, you're expected to win that game, and I just win it. Win it by a good bit. Last time we were really big favorite against a, a big opponent. I remember the Liberty Bowl, what, we were 12, 13-point favorite, something like that. Got blown out. Uh, so this is a big opportunity for, for State to redeem themselves to, to Vegas, to the betters out there. 
and I think they do it. I always pick State. I mean, what else is new? And the dogs win in 31-21. I'm going to go a little bit more high scoring in this one. Um, I mentioned it several times, and I do think, regardless of who they have the quarterback, I think Arkansas will be able to find the way to move the football some because, look, I, I trust Kendall Bryles to put together a scheme that will work for them. Uh, they have an identity that they buy into at their ground game. Um, but on the flip side, I don't expect them to be able to stop State. I, I think they can get some pressure on Rodgers some, and that uh, can be a difference in this game that where they can keep this from being big because, I mean, I, I'm going to say that if, if Rodgers doesn't get sacked, State puts up 45-plus. Uh, like, it, it will be a bloodbath. I think they'll be able to get some pressure, but I still think State wins this game, and I think State does cover. Taking the Bulldogs 38-27 to get the win. So that's going to do it for us. Our preview, obviously, this is a massive game. If you can get to Starkville, please do. And then sometime this weekend or by Monday, we will have a recap out. You're going to want to listen to that one because it's Lowndes talking about Arkansas. He's either going to be talking mad crap because that's or he's going to be very ticked off. That is his favorite fan base to interact with. Um, so you're going to want to be here for that. Uh, so that's going to do it for us. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks, Daniel, for hopping on. As always, swing your sword. Hail State.